This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Tarzan and Darno, in passing through an unfamiliar section of jungle, come upon the remnant of the Burton Ashley expedition. The four, Major Burton Ashley, Jeanette Burton, Dr. Wong Tai, and Terence O'Rourke, are lost. Tarzan offers to lead them to safety. In defense of the party, the ape man kills an enormous, yellow skinned, half human creature, and then conceals Jeanette and the others high in the branches of a tree. Leaving them in the care of Darno, he goes to reconnoiter. Returning, he leads the group out of immediate danger to the bank of a distant river. Proceeding cautiously downstream, they hear the sound of strange guttural voices coming from behind a thick tangle of underbrush. Noiselessly, Tarzan pots the bushes and appears through the opening into a clearing beside the rushing stream. Jeanette, close behind him, stares terrified over the ape man's shoulder. Good heavens! Tarzan! Be quiet. Darno. Oui, Tarzan. What is it? There. Mate depressed. Yellow men. May the all-seeing protect us. There are at least 30 of them. Thank you. We're in for it, Tarzan. Gary, we stepped out of the frying pan straight into the fire. You're right, Major. We're in a bad spot. Could this be the group we heard last night? Those drums? No, we left them behind. This must be another party. Look there. On the river bank. Isn't that a dugout? If we could get to that boat. That's what we're going to try for. It is a long way from here. They will see us before we have half covered the distance. We'll take the chance. We must. It is the only one we have. Right, Lieutenant. With the boat under us, we can paddle out to the middle. Make faces at the yellow heathen and maybe reach the Congo. Providing the steam empties into the Congo. What do you think, Tarzan? Oh, Lord, may be right. Work down to the edge of the river. That baobab tree with a screen of bushes. Come on. We have the advantage of our rifles. They're armed only with spears and clubs. Even so, we couldn't kill more than a few of them before the others got to us. Here. Now, when we leave these bushes, we'll be in the open. They'll see us. If we can take them by surprise, maybe we can make it. Faith, it will be a sweet race. And the devil take the hindmost. Make straight for the boat. Don't stop until you're in it. 
No, no, you go first. I'll bring up the rear. Ready? And go. With his rifle ready, Darno bounds from behind the concealing screen of underbrush. Straight toward the dugout, he sprints along the open river bank. Close behind him, the others follow in a desperate attempt to reach the canoe. Before they have covered a third of the distance, a piercing, weird cry of warning resounds through the jungle. Faster, Darno. They've seen us. We, we'll never make it. Keep going, Jeanette. Ashley, on, faster. At the cry, the yellow giants squatting around the fire in the center of the clearing spring to their feet. For an instant, they stare in silent surprise at the fleeing whites. Then, yelling savagely, they leap into action. With uncanny speed, they bound forward toward the dugout in an effort to intercept the fugitives. Gauging the distance between himself and the boat, Darno realizes that he and his companions can never reach it before they are caught by the yellow demons. We cannot make it, Tarzan. They run like antelope. We'll have to give them a fight. Them devils are closer to the boat now than we are. Stop. Gather on to net. Do the best you can. Here they come, the hairdon devils. Let them have it. Shrieking, bellowing, many now spouting blood from gunshot wounds, the yellow men rush close and surround the little group of whites as they stand fighting desperately for their lives. The challenging cry of the great ape rings out piercingly above the sound of battle. One great yellow savage, his shoulder wet and red with blood, charges Tarzan, hurls his heavy spear. The ape man leaps aside, in close. His knife flashes once, twice. With a weird death scream, the yellow hulk lurches forward, falls on Tarzan, bearing him to the ground by sheer weight. Before the ape man can toss the dead savage aside, he is smothered by a swarm of yellow bodies. Gradually, the shrill yells, the shots, the sounds of battle die out. Tarzan is jerked roughly to his feet. He looks around to see his companions, minus their weapons, captives of the yellow savages. The luck is against us. Uh, never mind. Faith, and we thinned out the devils anyway. There's five of them dead and half a dozen wounded. Are any of you hurt? I have two or three scratches from spears, no more. How do you eat, Jeanette? Pushla. Oh, I guess I'm all right. What will they do to us, Uncle Jim? I wish I knew, my dear. But keep us stiff up a lift. We can only guess at that, mademoiselle. It looks very much, Lieutenant, as if our doom were already sealed. The fire. Gary, you mean throw us in? They're leading us straight to it, my friend. Mon Dieu, Tarzan. Do you suppose they are cannibal? It may be. Look, they are tying Ashley and the Dr. Wong together, back to back. And O'Rourke and Jeanette. Our turn now. Double up your hands when they bind your wrists. They decide our fate, O Lord. At least we've escaped being roasted. For the time being, Ashley. I believe Lieutenant Arno gets rightly. These creatures are cannibals. They are throwing their dead into the river. They wouldn't do that if they were cannibals. They are feeding those dead bodies to the crocodiles. Good heavens! The water's alive with them. By Jove! It sounds as if they were calling them. Voila! They are stacking our weapons down there near the boat. Thank heaven they're not throwing them in the river. They might just as well for all the good they are to us now. Oh, if we could just get out of these bonds. We would only be caught and tied up again, my child. 
There are too many. We could not escape. Your bow and arrows and the rope down there. Parla, there. Close to Jeanette and Aurora. Yes, I know. The talking drum. That savage pounding on a hollow log with a club. Talking drum is right. Listen. Communicating with the party we escaped from last night. I'll wager. No doubt that means we shall have visitors shortly. A good deal. Tarzan. Yes? If you were free, could you reach your bow and arrows and get away into the trees? Yes, but I can't leave you on the others. But, Tarzan, you could help us. Please... Strips of hide we're tied with are strong. Take me a long time to work loose. Move your arms a little. Your hands. Can you? Not much. We're tied so close together, I'll hurt your arms if I move mine. Never mind that. I can feel the knot under my fingers. A very clumsy one. I think I can work it loose. Now, move your arms again. So. While Darno worked feverishly at the knot, bending his arms with those of Tarzan, several yellow men pile wood on the fire until it becomes a roaring blaze. Two huge brutes squat on the ground beside a hollowed-out log. With sticks, they commence to beat slowly, rhythmically, on the improvised drum. The remaining yellow men, grasping spears and clubs, and chanting monotonously, circle the fire in an awkward, shuffling dance. As each savage passes the little group of captives, he shakes his spear and glares at them from cruel, bloodshot eyes. Them devils don't mean us any good. Terry, I, I'm scared. Terry, so am I. Arok, Wong, Jeanette. Where's, where's Tarzan? I'm down. Terry, both of them gone. They must have managed it while we were watching the savages. But, but why didn't they free us too? That means they've left us to our fate. Leave be, Major. Tarzan ain't a fellow to desert. Neither is a lieutenant. You didn't let me finish, Terry. Either they've left us to our fate, or they'll try to rescue us. That's more like it. Them two act like they've been through this sort of thing before. Oh, but good heavens, what can they hope to do alone against so many? Keep your eyes open, Akushla. They'll be giving us a chance to escape. When they do, be ready to take it. They'd only taken Jeanette with them one. I don't like to think what might happen to her when they've finished with us. Brace yourselves. Here they come. That yellow gang knows Tarzan and Darno are gone. Yelling and gesticulating savagely, the yellow-skinned mob crowds around the four captives. One huge brute, apparently the leader, jerks O'Rourke and Jeanette to their feet. Shaking them fiercely and pointing to the ground where Tarzan and Darno lay, he growls words at them. O'Rourke glares back at the yellow giant defiantly. Ripping a long bronze knife from the sheath of his belt, the savage presents the razor-sharp point at the Irishman's throat. Face something, man, before he cuts your throat. If you can't talk, make sign. How the devil can I with my hands tied? Well, do something if you want to live. I don't know what the devil you're talking about, you yellow heathen. But if it's the lieutenant on Tarzan you're asking for, Dave's gone. Yes, gun, if you know what I mean. With a savage guttural growl, the yellow giant hurls O'Rourke and Jeanette to the ground, bends down and cuts the thongs, binding them together. 
Once more, he jerks the Irishman to his feet and thrusts him into the crowd of yellow men. Jeanette, Wong, and Ashley watch fearfully as the savages drag O'Rourke across the clearing to the river's edge. I should not advise you to watch this, my child. But what are they going to do? What fiends! They're calling the crocodiles! Exactly. And you see, they are coming. I will score. Oh! Oh, how awful! They're going to start carrying in the water! Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha! Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah! Full of exclusive loot, fun surprises, and delivered to your door every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy! <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, there's a box just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Uncharted section of the jungles of South Central Africa, Tarzan and Darno come upon Major Burton Ashley, Jeanette Burton, Dr. Wong Tai, and Terence O'Rourke. The four whites are lost and near exhaustion. Tarzan kills a gigantic half-human, yellow-skinned creature in their defense and leads them out of immediate danger to a distant riverbank. In proceeding downstream, the entire party is overpowered and captured by a large band of strange yellow-skinned giants. Tarzan and Arno manage to free themselves from their bonds and escape, presumably leaving the others to their fate. Angered at the escape of two of their captives, the savages drag O'Rourke, bound hand and foot, to the edge of the river and are about to throw him to the crocodiles. Oh, oh it's awful. Those fiendish brutes. Don't watch it, Janet. Ashley, Janet, look in that tall tree at the edge of the river. Where? Where? What is it? No, no, no. High up in the branches. By George! Tarzan! In a great tree that leans far out over the river, Tarzan, in full view of the little group, stands poised on a huge limb high above the water. The ape-man watches the scene below him with alert eyes. Bound and helpless, O'Rourke is lifted from the ground by two of the great yellow men and tossed far out into the swift-flowing stream toward the approaching crocodiles. With a despairing shriek, the Irishman disappears beneath the surface of the water. With keen eyes on the spot where O'Rourke disappeared, 
Grasping one end of a stout trailing vine in his left hand, the ape man leaps out into space, swoops downward toward the surface of the river in a wide, dim arc. Rolling over and over in the swift current, O'Rourke comes gasping to the surface. A great bull crocodile is almost upon him. About to sink again, O'Rourke hears a loud splash in the water beside him. Two bands of steel encircle his body. They grip, tighten, and he is jerked from the water as the crocodile flashes by underneath him. With effortless speed, his steel-muscled legs gripping the Irishman's body, Tarzan climbs hand over hand up the trailing vine to vanish in the thick foliage high above the heads of the astonished yellow men. Oh, oh, thank heaven. By the cues of my ancestors. What an impossible feat for a human being to perform. I've never seen anything like it. Utterly unbelievable. It is very apparent that those yellow fiends are of the same opinion, Ashley. Look how they stare up at the trees. Mademoiselle Jeanette. Uncle Jim, did you hear that? Ici, here, at the edge of the clearing. Behind you, my child. Lieutenant Dardo. Laissez-vous. Make no noise. Do not watch me. Keep your eyes on the yellow men. Lieutenant Dardo, what? My dear, steady. Do as he says. Pay no attention to him. Quiet, mademoiselle. And I shall cut you loose. So. Now lie perfectly still and I read the major in the Dr. Wong. But, but what are we going to do? How will we get away? In a moment, Tarza will appear on the riverbank, upstream. He will lead this sauvage away from camp. Now, Dr. Wong. I say, Darno, we'd about given up. Work, Tano. The yellow brutes have apparently forgotten us. They are running up river. Boom. Boom. Now, on your feet. And follow me. There. There. Where to? The cookout. Run. Oh, look. He's safe, Dr. Wong. He will join us presently. By Jove, man, how did you get out of those straps they had us tied with? <laughs> the knot. Under my fingers. Never tied by a seaman. It was not. Here. The rifles. We must take them with us. The yellow man. They see us. They're coming back. Hurry. Watch those fellas cover the ground. Beat. Beat, my lord. Into the boat. But, Terry, what is it? Let their mind, Terry, mademoiselle. Here. Let me give you a hand, Arno. By Jove, this, this boat's heavy. Oh, wait, wait. If we can only get it a few. Take your rifle, Dr. Warren. We'll try to hold them off. Uncle Jim, Lieutenant, hurry. Voila. Jump, my lord. She is afloat at last. Here, Uncle Jim, your rifles. Never mind the rifles. The paddles. Oh, see, we could see the doctor one. We must get out of the range of those spears. Once in the middle of the river, the current will carry us fast enough. Lieutenant Darno, on the bank there, Terry. He's running downstream. Oh, those things will catch him. They see him. I did not realize Tarzan was leaving him so near the cup. Pull him toward the bank, Dr. Wong. My... Jump, Terry. Hit the water, you fool. They're right behind you. A crocodile swimming downstream to head him off. Shoot, Jeanette. Shoot. Find your aim, Janet. You missed the brute. Pull yourself together. Take your time. Swim or off. Swim. You got him. No, no, he's only wounded. He's still... See, Ashley, hit that brute over the nose with your paddle. Here. Oh, Lord. Your hand. Bien, bien. If we in with you. Ah. Oh, big guy. Them yellow head and almost got me again. Oh, that was a close call. Close call, I should say it was. That croc almost got you. Yes, and he did that. If Tarzan hadn't yanked me out of the drink when he did... And if Lieutenant Darno hadn't pulled you into the boat just now, 
You'd be giving some crocodile indigestion. Well, was there one of them satchel skin brutes after me now? After you? You almost had you. The wonder you have any legs left. Oh, sure. But that's what he was shooting at, Kushla. Well, I, I was so excited, I, I guess my aim was bad. Where is Tarzan, or Rock? Satan, I don't know. He dropped me out of the trees and said the lieutenant would pick me up the river bank when he came back in the boat. How did you manage it, Dano? You and Tarzan must have moved quickly to both be in the right spot at the right time. Right? We were behind the fringe of jungle waiting for a chance. When they dragged Uruk to the river, Tarzan knew what they were going to do. He made his plan on the spur of the moment. Talking drums again. They are probably telling their tribesmen of our escape. Well, let them back their drums till their arms fall off. We're safe as long as we stick to the river. I'm still thinking this stream will carry us to the Congo. Perhaps you are right, O'Rourke. If you are, why do those savages be faithful us along the back, eh? By Joe Wong, they must know we'll be stopped along the route somewhere. I'm in favor of leaving the boat as soon as Tarzan joins us. If Tarzan thinks it is a good idea, we can still make for the opposite shore and strike off into the jungle. What? We'll be captured by those yellow fiends as soon as we land? Speaking of the opposite shore, do you know this lieutenant how steep and high they think as they come here? Almost a cliff. And the current is much swifter than it was when I reached the boat. Men more. I had not noticed. They're keeping to the middle and watching those sauvages held my attention. Lieutenant, downstream. Tarzan just dropped out of a tree into the water. There, you see him? He's swimming out to meet us. Oh, grasso, bon Dieu. I was beginning, my dear, to wonder where he was. <laughs> Our saffron huge friends have also seen him. Here, Wong, your rifle. Take yours, Oro. Watch out for crocs. I'll give you a hand with the paddles, Lieutenant. Have you got everybody down off? Wait, Tarzan. We are all here. All here, safe and sound. All right. Go straight downstream. You'll see if O'Rourke's guess about the Congo was good. Oh, Tarzan, that rescue of Terry, the way you pulled him out of the river, it was wonderful. Yes, old man. Just watching you swing down from that tree took my breath away. And when you snatched Terry out of that smoke, the most amazing thing I ever saw. In the excitement of escape, Lieutenant, we, Major Ashley, Jeanette, and I have forgotten to express our appreciation for your help. Mais je vous prie, Monsieur le Docteur Wong, say no more about it. Tarzan, I was just saying to Darno that I thought we'd best make for the opposite bank. No, we'll have to stay with the dugout. But those fellas keeping peace with us over there. It must be because they know we'll have to leave the boat sometime. Well, maybe, but not now. Look up there on the other shore. What do you see? Why, nothing. Watch closely. I saw them from the trees. Yellow men. They're running along the top of the bank, back from the river. They expect us to land on that side. Gary, we'd have a hard time doing that even if them devils weren't there. Just look at them cliffs, sheer down to the water. If we do land, we must do so on this side. And those fellows know it. That must be the reason they are following us, eh? There's a bend in the river just ahead. Once beyond that, we may find open country again and low banks. The current seems to be getting swifter all the time. Those savages are forced to run like deer to keep up with us. We're going into the bend now. Keep to the middle, Darno. By the saints, 
Look at that, Woody. We're running straight into a stone wall. And look. Look there. Coming out of those cave-like holes in the cliff. Good Lord, there must be hundreds of the yellow fiends. Well, Terry, your guess about the Congo. You missed it, eh, old chap? Maybe I didn't after all. Look at the foot of the wall. That big hole. The river goes right into it. Under the cliff. Me voila, mes amis. You see? Yes. How it narrows near the opening? The sofas can reach us with their spears. Uneasily. Yeah, and those on the cliff wall above. They are preparing to drop stones on us. Ah. Well, this looks very much like the end, my friends, eh? Dono, out of the steering paddle. You, all of you, use your rifle. Three on the side. And keep them off. We're going into that hole. Oh, but Tarzan, cataracts, waterfalls. If there are any in there, they'll be dashed to death. Rather that, my dear, than being fed to the crocodiles or worse. Stay on. We're going to hit that opening at tremendous speed. Watch for rocks from above. The rifles now. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Resting on the bank of a swift-looking stream in an uncharted section of the south-central African jungle, Tarzan and Darno, Major Burton Ashley, Jeanette Burton, Dr. Wong Tai, and Terence O'Rourke are captured by a band of half-human giants. They escape and take to the river in a crude dugout. Carried around the bend, a precipitous wall of rock towering a hundred feet above the stream confronts them. Crawling from cave-like openings with which the cliff is honeycombed are scores of the yellow savages. Yelling fiendishly, the half-human monsters scramble down the face of the precipice to congregate on the high banks of the river. Rushed forward in the fearful grip of the current, menaced on all sides by the yellow-skinned monsters, the dugout speeds straight and swift as an arrow toward a narrow black opening in the base of the wall. By Zeus, we are going to hit that hole with tremendous speed. Watch out for rocks from overhead. They're going to drop them down on us. The rifles, speak, or actually, strong. Fire! Look out! Here comes a rock as big as a house. Oh, bleu, if that had hit us... They're going to rush us. Look out for those spears. Use your rifles, man. Stuck your head. Here comes the tunnel. Down, down in the bottom of the boat. Hold tight, Janet. And if we don't get out, goodbye, my dear. Janet's reply is drowned in the roar as the craft shoots into black and utter darkness. 
The rushing of the waters echoes and reverberates from the rocky walls with a noise like thunder. Onward they speed through the stygian darkness for what seems an eternity. Crouched in the bottom of the dugout, carried at the will of the flood, fearful that each moment will plunge them over the brink of a cataract or grind them to bits on jutting rocks. Through the bowels of the mountain they rush. In that hall, it looks a long way from us. It looks like pinpoint. Yeah, we must be traveling at terrific speed. See how that opening is growing inside. I can see smooth water. Be gone. Oh, thank heaven. If we can only reach solid ground again. Hey, there's something we're showing when we came in here. Look at that reflection on the water. It's not sunlight. The moon, O'Rourke. We've been in this tunnel a long time. Does that? Have you any idea where we are? No more than you have, Dono. That opening is pretty low. Better get down on the bottom of the boat again. We're going through in a second. Oh, that clear, sweet air. The sky. I was afraid I'd never see it again. But where's the jungle? Nothing but tall cliffs on both sides of us. No place to land. As the boat shoots out of the roaring cavern, its occupants gaze around in wonder. At their backs is the cliff with the narrow opening through which they've just come. Before them, through a narrow gorge, stretches the swift-flowing river. On every side rise tall cliffs, tower-like pinnacles, fluted and ornate columns. Slender pillars bear titanic boulders and great slabs balanced on their summits. Straight from the riverside, the fantastic rock formations rise, many of them sheer for half a thousand feet, nature's minarets and spires, visible as though viewed through a sheet of silver gauze under the soft, diffused radiance of a tropical moon, round and bright as a new-minted coin. Perfectly wonderful. Oh, after rushing through that awful black hole, expecting to be smashed to bits every minute. Not to speak of the yellow savages, from whom I hope we have definitely escaped. I've been thinking about that. Tarzan, do you think those fellows are following us? I doubt it. They would have been out of that hole by now if they were behind us. Then it should be safe to land now, eh, Nami? Yes, Lieutenant, why land? I'm in favor of sticking to this wood skin as long as we can. We can land any time. Oh, on those sheer cliffs, Harry? Well, I haven't seen a spot wide enough to stand on yet. But if I am not mistaken, the river is gradually widening. And down there, see, ahead of us, is not that a narrow strip of beach, eh? I agree with Terry, my friends. Stay with the boat as long as we can. Perhaps we may yet reach the Congo. Sure, and that's my idea exactly. I'm not in favor of taking chances with them yellow heathen again. Just because they're not right behind us is no sign we won't have trouble with them yet. Come to think of it, the Bienne Pong, it, it is rather strange they have not followed us. I wonder why. They certainly must know of that underground river. Have you any explanation for it, Tarzan? No, Miss Burton, but I'm sure they haven't. It may be that this tunnel is taboo, no? That is possible. Strange place, this. I doubt if any man has ever been in this canyon before, at least by the route we came. And for all we know, the exit may be by tunnel also. It is a weird place right enough, Ashley. Unlike anything I have ever seen in Africa. The map shows a cluster of mountains somewhere in this region. 
But I never knew they were anything like this. No, the two toad, yellow-skinned savages lived in here, eh? To a Neverrot. But those fiendish men, I suppose they are men, trouble me. I have been thinking about it ever since we saw the one Tarzan killed. They bothered me a lot more while they were after us, and when they had us, then they do know. They don't care if I never see any of them again. Mm-hmm, my sentiments exactly, Captain. Uh, you do not understand what I mean, either of you. Who and what they are is what troubles me. I think I understand, Wong. I agree with you. They certainly are not of recent origin. As a matter of fact, I'm firmly convinced that these creatures are survivors of the caveman. Vous pensez the caveman, mon major? You saw the face of that cliff we passed under. Honeycombed with caverns. Those savages live in them. Not only that. Did you examine them closely while they had us back there on the river bank? But, major, the caveman, the Neanderthal man, for example, he was a much smaller creature. Ah, Lieutenant... But are we positive of that? There were undoubtedly tribes of giants such as these even then. Of course. These creatures are more like huge, hairless apes than men. Didn't you see the flat, low craniums, the long arms, the short legs? Wong, there's a marvelous field for investigation here. And for the sake of ethnology, I think we should... Well, return. you ethnologists are welcome to investigate all you want to. But she'd better wear armor and carry machine guns when you begin your investigation, I think. <laughs> that may not be such a bad idea, Terry. Well, I have a much better idea, Uncle Jim. Stay as far away from them as possible. Ethnology won't suffer greatly, you know, by not knowing about those things. Me voila, Tarzan. Look there. We are coming out into open country and jungles. The cliffs, they are dropping behind us. Yes. Listen. Lupa, Sabo, Sheeta. Our country filled with unspeakable harm. Death behind each bush. Oh, it's terrible. Ah, but were you not warned of those horrors, my dear? I believe the Major and Lord as well as I, endeavored to convince you that the jungle is not the place for a young white woman. <laughs> you did. For three months. And it was only when I threatened to follow you, if you left me behind in Nairobi, that you agreed to my coming. It would have been better, Miss Burton, had you listened to your friends and remained behind. Uncle Jim is all I have left, Tarzan. I couldn't let him go off into the jungle alone. Listen. Sounds like a waterfall somewhere ahead. Yes. You must land. You notice how the current has become swifter? And the quicker we get ashore, the better. We can inspect that fall in the morning, perhaps... Carry the dead out to the lower water, eh? If we are going to land Tarzan, we had better do so quickly. It seems to me that we are approaching that falls, or whatever it may be, very fast. Right. Head for that open space on the right bank. Careful of that thing jutting out into the river. If we hit that... We'll have to go around it. Land on the other side. Use your paddle. Hip them deep, men. The current's getting stronger. Paddle, everybody. Once we're in that backwash, we're safe. Paddling does not seem to do much good. We're pushing the backwash, Tarzan. She's right. The current's taking us out towards the middle. Hey, Gary, I don't think we'll make it. Paddle, O'Rourke. Ashley, Donald. We are doing the best we can, Monabi. Ah, the two. There goes my paddle. Snapped off just above the blade. Are there any more in this double? Oh, here, here. Take mine. We'll never make it out. That's all. Give up. Use those paddles. No, oh, possible. It is useless, Tarzan. We are so near the edge. Now, 
that nothing but a miracle can save us. Look, Dotto. Those limbs, branches out over the water. When we pass under them, I'm going to jump. Watch for me up ahead. With the speed of an arrow, the long, ungainly dugout races toward the overhanging branches festooned with creepers and vines. As the canoe shoots beneath them, Tarzan leaps high into the air. The steely fingers of one hand unerringly find and grasp the loop of the thick vine. The next instant, with the speed and agility of Manu the monkey, the ape-man is swarming up one strand of the creeper toward the thick foliage above. The dugout speedily leaves Tarzan behind. Nearer and nearer to the cataract, the helpless group is rushed for the awful current. Ever louder becomes the roar of water as tons upon tons of it strike the rocks and boulders far below. In the apparently doomed canoe, five hopeful pair of eyes are glued to the ape-man as he reaches up to swing himself out of the branch. Suddenly a cry of horror from the occupants of the dugout. Tarzan, about to grasp the limb, hurtles downward toward the rushing stream, clinging to one end of the broken vine. Tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. the banks of a river in an uncharted section of the jungle, Tarzan and Darno and their four friends, Major Burton Ashley, Jeanette Burton, Dr. Wong Tai, and Terence O'Rourke, are captured by a strange race of yellow giants. They escape, taking to the river in a crude native dugout, and are carried by the swift current into a dark tunnel. Hours later, they emerge into bright moonlight between precipitous, rocky banks, which presently give way to jungle-clad shores. The current becomes momentarily swifter. Like the continuous crashing of giant breakers on a rocky shore, a deep booming sound warns Tarzan of a waterfall in the river beyond. Urging his companions to use their paddles, the ape-man sets the example by exerting every ounce of strength in his mighty arms and shoulders in an attempt to pull the ungainly dug out to shore. Useless effort. The current holds the canoe in its mighty grasp, rushing it at ever-increasing speed nearer and nearer to the brink of the booming cataract. As the dugout flashes beneath the overhanging vine-draped branch, Tarzan leaps upward, grasps a thick strand of creeper, and swarms up toward the limb. Suddenly a cry of horror escapes the occupants of the canoe as they see the ape-man drop like a plumber toward the river, clinging to one end of a broken vine. Look! Look, the vine's broken. He's falling into the river. No, no, no. See there. The other end of the vine. It holds. He is swinging toward the bank. He has at least saved himself. There is no possible way he can help us. We are doomed. Vigari, look at him run down the bank with the speed of a lion. By Jove, he's overtaking us. If he can but reach that tree, there at the edge of the falls. With the speed of an antelope, Tarzan bounds along the rough bank toward a mammoth pole of carpet street that stands close to the river's edge and a few yards back from the brink of the cataract. One great lower limb sweeps far out over the river. Breaking free, the ape man springs upward, patches in the thick foliage. A moment later, he reappears, running lightly out on the thick branch. He whips the grass rope from his shoulder, makes one end pass to a strong limb. As the dugout passes swiftly beneath him, he hurls the south coils, 
so often tested against the savage strength of the mighty Numa, down into the outstretched arms of Darno and Rourke. The two men, backed by Ashley and Wong, cling to the rope with all their strength. As the heavy dugout jerks to a sandfill in the rushing current, so near the edge of the cataract that Jeanette, in the prow, gasps as she stares terrified down over the brink of the waterfall. Hang on, men! Get hold, Wong, quick! If it will only hold against the pull of the current. Do not worry about that. I have seen it hold the strongest beast in the jungle. Hold tight! I'm going to untie this end and put it to the bank. Swiftly, Tarzan loosens the rope. The muscles of his great arms and shoulders knot into steel cords. Slowly, foot by foot, he makes his way along the great limb toward the riverbank, pulling the dugout behind him. Savagely, the water boils and swirls around the canoe as though reluctant to give up its prey. As the craft touches the shore, the ape man makes the rope fast to a tree, drops quickly to the ground, and pulls the dugout halfway out of the water. Oh, thanks be to the saints. Faith, and I'd rather take my chances with them yellow men than go through that again. By the cues of my venerable ancestors, Tarzan, thou art a man. Give me some water, one of you. Can I train it? Oh, the reaction was too much for her. Uh, uh, this brandy, O'Rourke. Uh, here, my flask. Oh, will you look at that? Oh, French brandy in the jungle. Oh, pour a little in the top of the flask. Ah, uh, here you are, Akusa. Drink this for Terry. I'm all right, Terry. I just couldn't talk. I was scared stiff. Sure, and I don't blame you. I drink this anyway. It'll do you good. Thanks, Terry. Oh, the rest of it. Oh, she's only a drop. Stop it, Terry. Do you want to drown the girl? Oh, little bay major. A little nip after what she's been through won't harm her. I could stand it myself, me, Gary. Oh, Dono, you and O'Rourke get some wood and start a fire. I'll pull the dug up up by the bank away from the water. I can't believe that we're safe on shore. Did you look down over the brink of those falls, Uncle Jim? I was terrible. Hundreds of feet. Great, jagged rocks down there. Well, my dear, don't think about it. I'd given up hope myself. You rest now, mademoiselle. Tomorrow we shall find our way down the cliff to the river below. Then, uh, Monsieur O'Rourke, we shall gather wood for the fire. Right, would you, Lieutenant? Uncle Jim. Yes, Lieutenant? What is it? Do, do you think we'll ever get out of this awful country alive? Oh, this Why, of course. What made you ask that question? Well, I don't know. It was just one game. No, Lieutenant, my child. This experience... You could not dwell on such dark thoughts. I suppose not, but how can I help it? For a man like Tarzan to see us through, why, we're bound to come out all right. It's merely a matter of getting the dugout down to the river below the falls in the morning and uh, carrying on. Carrying on. Yes, yes, I guess you're right. Come, come, Janet. As one says, don't think of the unpleasant side of the situation. We'll get through right enough. Oh, but sometime, one of us, maybe all of us, will fall into a situation that we can't get out of. It's impossible for Tarzan to be with everybody all the time. After all, he's only human. My dear, the old seeing who watches over us and points our destinies has led us out of danger so far. Is there any reason to believe he will desert us now? Oh, I know, but this terrible, cruel country, filled with every sort of danger and horrible death lurking behind each bush, and every shadow, or even its rivers. Our experience of a few moments ago has naturally unnerved you, Janet. If we exercise caution and trust to the leadership of Tarzan, I believe we shall have little to fear. There you are, my dear. Take a leap from the Frenchman's book. Apparently not a worry on his mind. Dear, mes amis, you look contented enough there in the moonlight. Almost as if you were listening to Les Concerts and Jardin de Plante in Paris. 
Only in this case, it is the chorus of the jungle you are listening to. Oh? Ah, now for a little fire, and everything will be shipshape in a moment. You are entirely over the effects of our, uh, shall I say, late experience, Mademoiselle Jeunesse? Yes, Lieutenant. I'm fine. That's the spirit, dear. Chin up. Eyes front. Where is O'Rourke, Lieutenant? Uh, with Tarzan, Monsieur Lezofter. Tarzan killed a steak and is bringing it in. A steak? I don't understand. <laughs> uh, what about my jaw? Ah, take up shows. Excellent eating. Look at that, Tarzan. All of them waiting for their supper without a care in the world. And right after he pulled them out of the jaws of death, well, he'll be having it now. It better be good, Terry. Sure, and it will be, Major. How do you feel, Jeanette Kushler? Oh, I'm famished, Terry. Uh, then wait till you've had one of these water book steaks, Tarzan. He says that they're the best eaten in the jungle. Yes, outside a zebra. Zebra? You don't mean you've eaten zebra, Tarzan. What not? In the jungle, the hungry animal, man or beast, eats what he can get. Oh, oh well, I, I couldn't eat This that. is not zebra, Mr. Nett. <laughs> Cut off as much as we can carry, Warlock. When it is seared, it will last several days. For myself, I shall eat, and uh, if it does not fall to me to take the first watch, sleep. I must admit to being tired. You had better all rest. I'll take the watch. It'll be daylight soon anyway. By Jove, I hadn't noticed. The moon is low in the sky, almost touching those treetops over there. I shall stand the first watch when I may. The daylight is still several hours away. You rest, darling. I'm not tired. As the little company finishes its meal of waterbuck steak, and each member of the group composes himself to rest, Marzan swings lightly to the broad limb of a nearby tree and settles down with his back to the trunk. The moon drops swiftly behind the distant horizon, and inky blackness steals out of the jungle to envelop the sleeping camp. Crickets thicken the air with their shrilling, and the forest crowds close. The far-off chatter of monkeys dies away. The hungry roars of Numa, Cheetah, and Sabor drop to subdued, contented rumbling. As having killed and fed, the great jungle beasts seek their lairs to rest and sleep through the heat of the approaching day. The summits of the tall cliffs and spires glow with the rosy light of dawn as Tarzan arouses the camp. Before the rising sun slants into the purple mists of the jungle, the ape man and his friends have finished their meager breakfast and are seeking a pathway to the river below the falls. Oh, Uncle Jim, what a glorious morning. Yes, things look a bit different from what they did last night, eh, my dear? No, just look back there. Why, that river gorge is beautiful. Those high red cliffs. To think that we came that way. It did look weird and mysterious by moonlight, Miss Father Mojelle. Well, after coming through that terrible black hole last night, it looked more beautiful than anything I'd ever seen. So the danger of that cataract took everything else out of my mind. Just look down there, Lieutenant. Oh, suppose Tarzan had been unable to... Oh, I can't bear to think of it. Go on, Miss Jeanette. Oh, no. Oh, Come on. Hello, mademoiselle. Let us go. Hey, Tarzan. Wong, Major. Come here. Have a look at this. Oh, now what? Terry never yells like that unless he's excited about something. Get up, Tarzan. What have you found? A spot, by Joe. Seems well worn, too. Angling down the cliff side. Probably used by the animals coming to the stream to drink. This is not an animal trail. Eh? Okay. Well, sort of... Oh, look here. Further along. Animals don't cut paths through solid rocks. Is that what you mean, Tarzan? Yes. That's what I was thinking. But if it takes us to the river below the falls, and, well, it seems to be leading in that direction, and that's what we're looking for, we can come back after the dugout. We'll follow it. Darno and I'll lead the way. Rort, you bring up the rear, and keep your eyes open. Right here. Lead on, then. I'll be watching that trail. Come on, Darno. The rest of you stay close. Why do you precaution? You are not satisfied with the appearance of things? No. 
Ashley was right when he said animals don't cut trails through rocks. They go round the easiest way. Then this pathway was made by men. Maybe for the same reason they're using it now, to get round the falls. Mais mon vieux, if human beings made this trail, there should be some sign of them. There are. You mean footprints? Hmm. Having come in the ground closely and found none? Bare feet don't leave prints on rocks, Darnold. But there are other signs, many of them. Broken bushes beside the path. Could it have been done by some passing animal? No. Numa walked the path, he walks in the middle, unless he's stalking prey. Then he slips through the bushes beside it. And he does not break twigs or fresh leaves. Oh, je comprends. Then this pathway has been used and lately. Those leaves on the ground. Yes. Wish the wind were blowing toward us instead of at our back. You, you are uneasy, my friend? Yes. I feel as if I were walking into a trap. Here, wait. Something wrong, Tarzan? I'm going into the trees to look around. All of you stay right here. Be quiet. No, you, Tarzan. You were right. We walked deliberately into an ambush. Voila! Completely surrounded. Those fiendish yellow men. They followed us and... No, no, my child, you are wrong. Look at their feet. By Joe. Toes instead of claws. I'm going to drop that fellow coming up the path. No! Don't raise that rifle. Stand still. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. escape from what they believe to be a race of prehistoric yellow-skinned giants, Tarzan and his friends take to an underground river in a dugout canoe. The stream carries them through a mountainous cliff, on the far side of which they are on the verge of being drawn over the brink of a waterfall when Tarzan draws them ashore by means of his rope. On the following morning, they begin their search for a means of reaching the river below the falls. O'Rourke finds a well-worn trail which Tarzan believes to be man-made. A short distance along the path, 
The ape man becomes suspicious and decides to investigate. Calling a halt, he is about to swing into the trees and advance alone when Darno cries out a sharp warning. As if by magic, the forest all around them becomes alive with yellow men. O'Rourke raises his rifle. Shoot! Put down that rifle, O'Rourke! Don't move any of you! Slowly, cautiously, the circle of yellow giants narrows about the little group, waiting tensely, not knowing what to expect. Step by step, the yellow men approach. Their great spears held ready for instant use. Uncle Jim! Uncle Jim, they're going to kill us! Get him, idea. If that had been their intention tonight, they could have done so long ago. And we would never have known what struck us. Now, look at their faces. They show more curiosity than cruel intent to kill. At a sign from one who appears to be their leader, the yellow men halt. The little company is completely and closely hedged in by the huge creatures. With the point of his spear almost touching the ape man's breast, the leader speaks gutturally. Unga. Tuktu, Unga. Oh, Unga. Tuktu, Tokwa. Tarzan slowly shakes his head in a sign that he does not understand. The huge yellow savage thumps himself on the chest. Yola, Mungo. Yola, Mungo. He is telling you, Tarzan, that his name is Mungo. Yes. I am Tarzan. Tarzan of the apes. Tarzan. You, Tarzan. The brute speaks English. You understand, Tarzan? Mungo understands, Tarzan. What you do here? We are trying to reach the river in the valley below. Find our way out of jungle. Ah, uh, then. You come long, Mongo. Stop, stop. Atea. Atea? Who is Atea? Atea, great queen. You give five sticks. Mongo no her. You no give. Mungo trick. Yes, and I'm not giving me rifle up to any savage oil. We'll keep our fire sticks, Mungo. You know, give. Mungo tick. Tarzan, I think it is best to comply with his demand, temporarily at least. They will only take them by force. We cannot hope to fight them all. But to give up without even trying. Say the word Tarzan, and I'll let that fellow have it right in the chest. The major and Wong are ready. Memono pasta, O'Rourke. You know, Tarzan. That if we were alone, I would be the first to offer resistance. But, Mademoiselle Jeanette, if we are killed, what will become of her? Right. Give up your rifle. Ah, oh, faith, Lieutenant, I don't like it. Neither do I, O'Rourke, mon ami. But we are only five, not counting Mademoiselle Jeanette. Look, look around you. There are at least 30 of them against us. All right, Mungo. You have our fire sticks. What now? Uh, you come along, Mungo. Now, talk, talk. Atea. Gamboero, do. At the guttural words addressed to his followers, Mungo turns on his heel and stalks down the trail. Closely hemmed in by their gigantic yellow-skinned captors, Tarzan and his friends, now weaponless, follow. Hello, Tarzan, my friend. You were right. What do you mean? About the trail being man-made and being used by men. Yes, O'Rourke. Where do we make a fight on? On the... Wait, wait, O'Rourke. Have you not noted that our captors are different from those others? All I know is that I don't like the looks of things. 
And the sooner we can get out of this, the better. Mais écoutez, Monsieur O'Rourke, can you not understand that an attempt to fight or escape now would mean but one thing, death? We can make an awful good try it, he I think it will be killed anyway, sooner or later. And what of Mademoiselle Jeanette? No, no. We must protect her to the last man, O'Rourke. Of course. Yeah. Then the only way we can do that is to remain alive as long as we can. I do not think they would kill her. But they would not hesitate to do away with us. Do you think, Tarzan? He is right, Rock. Wait. All right, if you say so. We'll see it through. But at the first sign of treachery, I'm starting in on these heathen. <laughs> Avec quoi? Uh, with what, Monsieur O'Rourke? We are on our... Uh, with me on two hands, Bigotti. We'll wait a little, O'Rourke, until we've seen this queen, I'll tell you. Uh, excellent advice, my friend. And, O'Rourke, I repeat, had these savages wished to, they could have killed us out of hand if they're on the trail. Well, they're just as bad as the mothers that took us. They didn't kill us when they had their chance. Even after we laid out half a dozen of them. Oh, the faith and begotty. They were all ready to feed us the crocodiles. Started in with me. Nevertheless, we are still alive. A good omen, my friend. And as long as they are alive, is it too much to hope that a more propitious moment to consider escape will be given us? Eh? Oh, Dave B. Wong. He'd talk the legs off a brass saint. <laughs> but you must admit, I am at least logical. Oh, well, yes, maybe you're right, if that's what you mean. But Terendano, what do you make of the fact that these uh, creatures speak English, or that one of them does, after the fashion? At some time, they must have had contact with English-speaking white men, Monsieur le Doctor. Naturally, but the two-toed ones beyond the cliff, they spoke no English, nor seemingly did they understand it. Oh, it is very easy to see that these fellows are of a higher mentality than the others. A little less of, shall I say, the abysmal brute? Exactly. And you have noticed the fact that not one of these captors of ours has claw feet? Monsieur le Doctor, just what are you driving at? Have you never seen a red rose growing on the same bush with a white one, my friend? Grafting, I believe the English call it. Not well, Mon. I have seen... Tonnerre de presse, Monsieur le Doctor. You mean those beyond the underground river are really... Mais non, ça c'est impossible, utterly impossible. To the scientific brain, Lieutenant, nothing is impossible. Forced or scientific crossbreeding, in this instance we might call it grafting, is a scientific fact. I could cite you instances. However, it is a truly absorbing study. <laughs> non, 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 my... Moi, I cannot believe... Oh, Mademoiselle Jeanette, you are a Well, we've left the first time we were on, Lieutenant. Isn't this an elephant path we're following now? Oh, my dear, so it is. I <laughs> was so deeply engrossed in a discussion with Monsieur le Doctor Wong that I did not notice. Tarzan? I know, Dono. We're headed away from the river. Look, over there in that clearing. Tantor. Elephants. A whole herd. <laughs> See them yellow head and fooling with them bulls. They're handling the elephants like regular mahouts. Riding African elephants ain't supposed to be possible or healthy. So I've heard, sir. Yet these fellows handle them easily enough. Look how the beasts lift the men up and put them on their backs. Apparently we are going to ride to the abode of the Queen Atea. We shall know immediately, Monsieur Doctor. Here comes Mongo. City of Queen Atea. Long wait. 
Why, people, go on elephant. Come. At a shout from Mungo, six great gray beasts, each guided by a yellow-skinned giant, come forward. Tarzan steps quietly out to meet the nearest. At a gruff command from its rider, the brute's trunk reaches out, encircles the ape-man's body, and lifts him gently to a seat on his back behind the mahout. When all are mounted, the entire troop, following a wide path, strikes off into the depths of the jungle. At high speed, the elephants follow the winding jungle path until near sunset, the trail ends abruptly on the edge of a small saucer-like valley, treeless and barren. Half a mile distant, in the center of the plain, rises the city of Artea. Constructed of gray rock, the buildings are low, flat-roofed. One apparently the palace rises above the rest and is built entirely around and against a tall column of gray rock, like the keep of an ancient castle. Completely surrounding the city is a high, wide-topped stone wall with flat-roofed watchtowers every hundred yards. Over a well-traveled roadway, toward a massive gate, the elephants sway along. At their approach, the barrier swings open. Without pause, Mungo leads through a wide street crowded with gigantic yellow men and women to halt before a dome-roofed house. Mungo and several of his men dismount. At guttural commands, the elephants carrying Tarzan and his friends lift the whites to the ground with their trunks. Mungo leads the way into a wide circular chamber furnished with massive wooden couches covered with lion and leopard skins. White people, stay here. Pretty soon, Mungo, we come back. Then you talk, talk, Atea. Just like that. If the heathen queen's in a good humor, we can talk with her. If she ain't, oh, I'll be glad I wish I had me automatic. What good would it do you, my friend? If we kill this woman, the giants will annihilate us. A man cannot combat a swarm of ants or bees. Certainly not a horde of armed savages. Be reasonable, Terry. Wong's right. Great Scott, man, do you want to get us all killed with your craving for a fight? Yes, you'll probably get all the fighting you want, Terry, before we're out of this. It will come to fighting sooner or later. It depends on the queen. Oh, yes, so that way. Very true. In the meantime, those couches look inviting. I think I shall lie down. Igari, uh, he's your friend Mungo, Dr. Wong. The head and devil showed me a fast trip. They must be anxious to get over with this stuff. Ah, oh, then, white people, come now. We go out there. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F E N I X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it? You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media.
Following their escape from a band of half-human, yellow-skinned savages, Tarzan and his friends take to an underground river in a dugout canoe, which carries them beyond a chain of mountains. Because of a waterfall, the party is forced to land and abandon their dugout. While seeking a means of reaching the river below the falls, they are ambushed and captured by a second party of yellow giants. Mounted on elephants, the entire company is transported to a distant walled city in the depths of the jungle. Upon their arrival, the ape man and his friends are left in a strongly guarded building, while Mungo, leader of the yellow men, goes to report to Atea, queen of the giant savages. During his absence, the captives are discussing the possibility of escape, and the door opens, and the giant Mungo re-enters with instructions to conduct the captives before the queen. We are ready, Mungo. Lead the way. Uh, uh, you come. This ain't the door we came in. Careful of pitfalls, Tarzan. It looks like there's enough on road. Near a stone stairway, probably leading to the roof. To the top of the wall. This house is built against the outer wall. At least we'll have a good view of this very interesting city, my friends. Couldn't we tackle Mongol Tarzan and make try of getting away? It's dark enough to try scaling the outside of the wall. Once in the jungle... Mm, we would be retaken almost immediately, Monsieur Rourke, and probably killed out of hand. Yes, probably... Handling Mongo would not be so difficult, O'Rourke, were he alone. Look over there beside that watchtower. A dozen or more guards are waiting for us. Yes, and besides, Terry, well, the top of this wall must be all of 30 feet from the ground. Ah, well, it was just a thought anyway. If we leave things to Tarzan, O'Rourke, our chances for escape will be far better. It is unfortunate that we could not have dined before this audience with her savage majesty. One dies so much better on a full stomach. Oh, Dr. Wong, how can you joke at a time like this? That dreadful woman will probably have us all murdered sent before entertainment. <laughs> With the inner man well satisfied, my child, death should not be difficult to meet. However, it was a mere figure of speech. I should not worry too much about this queen. Mais non, mademoiselle, pas du tout. I have been in much worse situation with Tarzan, and we have always won through. As you Americans say, let us not cross the bridge until we reach it, Miss But Speaking of bridges, you seem to be crossing a sort of causeway or stone bridge leading to that central building. Well, we didn't see this from the edge of the valley, or even when we came into the city. It's on the opposite side which we came in, behind that high round tower. What sort of building do you suppose that is, the tower in the center? Could it have been built by these people? Or by any others, Jimmy. It is an excellent example of nature's own work. What it represents to these uh, savages would be difficult to surmise. Well, we'll probably find out very soon. We seem to be going there, or at least to the building surrounding it. Mm, the palace of the queen, I suppose. I think so. I don't know what else it could be unless there are dungeons for us. Magic. All this in the very heart of what we call darkest Africa. If it weren't for all those half-clothed, gigantic, yellow-skinned people... One might very easily imagine oneself in one of the older European cities. There are more things in heaven and Africa than are dreamed of in white man's philosophy, my friend. That is very true, Monsieur Doctor. Very true. But this queen, Atea, we are about to interview. As ruler of such a place as this, she cannot be entirely a sauvage. Exactly my thought, Lieutenant. I believe we are to be very greatly surprised. I wonder what sort of woman we'll find. Probably be some huge yellow-skinned Amazon. Like the rest of these women. I'm thinking, Akushla, your question will be answered immediately. We're coming to the palace. Oh, what this pile of rock represents. Whoa! Pukwa Mungo! 
Look at those gates. On chains. The place is almost impregnable. Yes, well, sir. That is true. Against anything but modern siege guns. Oh, Tarzan. Not far now to what they are. You go in. Darno, does this place remind you of another place you've seen not so long ago? These wide corridors, this high ceiling. You mean the temple of Ashir? Yes. There isn't much difference between that and this. Where those quarters were gloomy and dark, these are well lighted. There are guards all over this place. And you see the pictures painted on the walls, hunting scenes, battle scenes, just like those in Aishir. Yet there is a difference, mon ami. The Hesiherians were descended from the Egyptians. These people are... beyond the bon Dieu, I don't know what. As O'Rourke says, Darno, we'll find that out soon enough. Those doors we're coming to at the end of the corridor. The guards have opened them. Arriving at the open doorway, the guards surrounding the captives halt. Led only by Mungo, Tarzan and his friends enter a large, brightly lighted chamber. Crossing it, they approach a low platform. Seated in a sort of throne on the platform is the glamorous, veiled figure of a woman. To right and left of the dais stand several giants dressed in short leopard-skin tunics. At the waist of each hangs a long double-edged sword. In silence, Mungo and his captives approach the foot of the dais where they halt. The seated woman rises slowly, lifts the long veil covering her entire form, and drops it at her feet. A little gasp of stunned surprise from each member of the white group as they stand and stare in amazement at the regally magnificent figure before them. The heavy veil, as it falls to the ground, discloses a form covered with a clinging gauze-like robe of white, cut to reveal arm, shoulder, throat, and breast of soft, ivory-tinted skin. A rope of diamonds encircles a slim waist. On small feet are sandals fastened with studs of gold. The woman's eyes are large and deep-set, dark and shadowy. A broad and noble brow, on which hair, blue-black as a raven's wing, grows low. The face is delicate, with straight features. Surpassingly beautiful as Artea is, her face has stamped upon it a look of unutterable experience, of deep grief, of evil passions. For a long, silent moment, she stands, gazing thoughtfully, first at one, then the other of the white group. Presently, in a voice soft and alluringly husky, she addresses them. How come you strangers to the place of the yellow men? And what do you want here? How is it that you hold your lives so worthless as to place them in the hands of Atea, queen of Thor? You ought to know how we came. Thor? By Jove, did you hear that one? She said Thor. Is it possible that we've been brought to... To the city we were seeking? Not only is it possible, Major, but very, very probable. You say I ought to know how you came? Why? Because we were brought here by Mungo. Ask him. I do not know. I ask the question of you, stranger. And I repeat, I do not know. Who are you? I am Tarzan of the Apes. Tarzan of the Apes. I do not understand. You are seemingly a man... Since when have men become apes? I am king of the tribe of Kerchak. I have never heard of such a tribe. So, so you are a king. A king who wears only a leopard skin for covering. And who are these others? Friends, under my protection. Under your protection, you say. You believe yourself able to protect them? 
as well as yourself from Atea? Why not? I shall answer that question later. Okay. The woman there, is she your mate, Tarzan? No. Why do you lie to Atea? I do not lie. There is no reason for it. Speak, woman. Who are you? I am Jeanette Burton. You are Tarzan's mate? Speak the truth as you regret it. Tarzan answered that question, Atea. However, no, I am not. Hmm, but you are not without some beauty of face and form. And this Tarzan is a man. <laughs> but no matter. You there with the narrow expression of eyes, who are you? I, gracious queen, am called Wong Tai. I am a doctor of science. Of what country are you? You do not resemble these others. I come from a country called China, Oatea. I have heard of it. It is a great distance from Tor. What are you seeking here? My colleagues and I, uh, pardon, Major Button Ashley, Karen Torok, and Jeanette Button, we were searching for the same city, Tor, when we became lost in the jungle. We were found by Tarzan and Lieutenant Arno, but we were under the impression that Tor was a city of ancient ruins. Ancient it is, Wong Tai, but ruins? Tor has stood up to see it now, peopled by a strong race of men for many generations. My house has governed here for thousands of years. I am the last of my line. When I die, if without an heir, the next ruler will be one of these yellow men. And how is it, O oh Queen, that you speak English? The rulers of Thor have always spoken English. Many of my subjects speak it, as does Mungo, chief of my warriors. But enough for the present. Mungo! Wait a minute, Althea. What are you going to do with us? We will be quartered here in the palace until I have decided what I shall do with you. Decide now. You are anxious to leave Thor. Who comes? Wonk. Lomen. Pongo. He come from cave to talk at him. Let him enter. Antu, Wongo, Wongo. Tikari Tarzan. One of the clawfoot devils. Yes. Listen. Tuktu. Wa gambo erop. Gambo nukwa tongo. Mungo tukwa abonga analuk. Look at him. Look, he's pointing at Tarzan and you and Terry. Terry, my dear. And this man, Tango, chief of my outer guard, says that you, Tarzan of the Apes, and these others kill many of his men. Is it true? Yes. According to the laws of Tor, a chief has the right to avenge the death of any of his men in personal combat with him who has slain them. I cannot change the law, Tarzan. Tango claims that right of you. When is it to be and where? Here, Tarzan, and now. I had hoped to keep you here with me. But Tongo will kill you. He is a mighty warrior. I am not worried about him. Let him take care of himself. Dono, step back with Jeanette. The rest of you, back to the wall. You have a weapon, Tarzan of the Apes? Yes. Then defend yourself. And may the gods protect you. Tongo! With a howl of rage, the yellow giant grasps his heavy cudgel in both hands, swings it high above his head, and leaps toward the quietly waiting ape man. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media.
carried through a mountain on the surface of an underground river, Tarzan and his friends are captured by a band of yellow giants. Mounted on elephants, the entire company is transported to the distant city of Tor, where the captives are taken before Atea, queen of the yellow men. Their audience with Atea is interrupted by the arrival of Tongo, a chief of the claw men, several of whom have been killed by Tarzan's party. Atea informs Tarzan that the laws of Tor permit a chief to claim the right of avenging the death of any of his men by personal combat with the one who has slain them. She adds that Tongo has come to claim that right. Tarzan accepts the challenge and stands quietly awaiting the attack of the gigantic yellow claw man. <laughs> with a roar of fury, Tongo, his great cudgel raised high above his head, leaps toward the ape man. Tarzan's answering challenge echoes through the vast chamber as he springs forward to meet the furious attack of the yellow savage. Ah, the heathen's stupid for him, Lieutenant. I'm going to give him a hand. No, no, no. Keep out. Lead him to Tarzan. Watch. In a hissing off, the giant's cudgel descends toward Tarzan's head. Nimbly, the ape man sidesteps the blow, causing Tongo to plunge awkwardly past him. Again and again, the giant rushes, his heavy club sweeping harmlessly through the air as Tarzan easily avoids each furious assault. Abruptly, the tall man changes his tactic. With a howl of gabbled rage, Tongo springs to the side of one of the watching yellow men, whips the long double-edged sword from its sheath at his side, and leaps back to renew the attack. Tarzan's hand drops to the long, keen knife at his waist. Stepping lightly outside the sword's hissing arc, he springs in close, under Tongo's great yellow arms. His knife flashes twice, like lightning. He steps clear. Tongo's sword patters to the floor. His great yellow hands claw at his breast. Slowly he turns to Atea. With a weird death cry, crashes forward on his face. Why, the cats have killed Kenny. If he didn't do it again. The venerable accuser of my Lord of Ancestors. This man, Tarzan, is astonishing. Great Scott, Donald. He doesn't show even the slightest sign of fatigue. Is the man made of iron? I myself sometimes believe Tarzan to be almost superhuman, Major. Oh, he's, he's wonderful, Terry. Tarzan, you have busted the mighty Tongo in single combat. You are in truth a king. You have decided about us? Yes, I have decided. For the present, you and your friends will remain in tour as the guests of Atea. We are to be prisoners, then. You do not understand. Atea said, yes. We are free to come and go as we please? Yes, Tarzan. Within certain limits. We have your permission to study the uh, cultural aspect of your city? You may go where you please. Within the walls, of course. You will not be molested by my subjects. Now, now Mungo will take you to your quarters. But before he does so... Altea has something to show you. Mungo, see that one of the prisoners of Rathor is brought to the hall of Pantu. Come, Tarzan. Uncle Jim, this place gives me the creep. I'd rather be out in the jungle, away from that woman. Oh, she's, she's a fiend. Steady, my dear. We've got to take things as they come. Stick close to us, Jeanette, Pusher. I don't trust the good-looking little she-devil. She don't believe you told the truth about Tarzan. Oh, I know she doesn't, Terry. That's why I'm afraid of her. She looked at me as though she'd like to. <laughs> Jealousy, my dear Jeanette? Oh, no, Dr. Wong. 
Oh, surely not that. And yet this woman always finds more than she looks for. Do you know, Monsieur le Docteur, where Atea is taking her? Probably to some dungeon. It would not surprise me. Monsieur Quacamo, I believe not. But wait. Those double doors, the guards are open. As the heavy doors, moved by two giant guards, swing slowly open, the little company finds itself on the threshold of an enormous round chamber, a room hewn out of solid rock. It is brightly lighted by huge torches. Facing the doorway and seated upon a massive black rock throne is a gigantic figure, utterly hideous, of burnished gold. The head is that of a lion, the body and legs human. Feet terminate in two huge talon-like claws. The arms held straight out before the body support between them an iron grill, like the barred gate of an ancient dungeon. Beneath the grill, in the rock floor, is a square section of massive stone blocks. Yes, and will you look at that gate and I don't know? Gold, Spigari, or I'm blind. Impossible, Terry. It's too huge. Some other metal. Oh, Monsieur Roth is right, Major. See the carved decoration and the inscription covering its breast? They are deeply engraved. I am of the opinion that figure is of solid gold. Oh, eh? I wonder where they get it. These people must be... Uh, are not those large gleaming stones about its throat diamonds? Bigari, Wong. Here's a fortune for the taking. Your words are like a page written in vermilion ink, my friend. Do you people know where we are? Why? What do you mean? Why, the Kilkenny cats. I believe we're in the central rock tower. Tarzan of the apes and you others. The chamber you are in is the hall of sacrifice. It is here that we of Thor worship Pantu. And who or what is Pantu? Pantu is the god of fire. That golden figure is his image. Why did you bring us here, Athea? That you will see presently when Mungo comes. This chamber, O oh daughter of Thor, is a part of your palace? Uh, yes. But it was not built by the hand of man. It has always stood here. My ancestors constructed the palace around it because of the fires of Thor, which are far below this chamber. Mungoratore, Mungo, enter and let your men place this spy of Rator in the arms of Pantu. Tarzan of the Apes, you asked why Atea brought you to the Hall of Pantu. You shall see now. Make haste, Mungo. What are they going to do with that man, Tarzan? They're chaining him to the grill. What horrible thing is Atea going to do now? I don't know. Wait. This looks, Tarzan, very much like a sacrifice. Atea, who is the man Mungo has on that grill? A spy of Rapor, Tarzan of the Apes. He was sent here to harm Atea and her people. It is the will of Pantu that he die. The man you're going to kill the poor devil without giving him a chance to fight for his life? Silence, you of the red hair. Oh, begurry me. My hair ain't red, and I'll not shut up. But by the saints of old Ireland, Terry Rock will not stand by and see a man yellow-haired and not killed without giving him a hand. Hold your tongue, Terry. You want to get us all killed? Those guards would overwhelm us in an instant. Remember, we are unarmed. If there were anything to be done, Monsieur O'Rourke, Tarzan would do it. Ah, there. If that man is to be murdered, must we stand by and look on? Who speaks of murder? The Ratorian has been condemned to death by sacrifice. Do what you like with your prisoners, Athea. They are nothing to me. 
But none of us are interested in watching the sacrifice of a helpless man to your heathen god. As long as we are free to come and go, we're going now. You will remain and watch, Tarzan, and all of you. I, Ateo, wish it. Mungo! Sawango! Tuku, Tarzan, Mange! Aruk! At Ateo's sharp command, Mungo growls a guttural order to his men. They move forward and quietly surround Tarzan and the party of whites. Before they realize what has happened, each one of the group is passed from behind by two of the giant yellow guards. Tarzan, writhing and twisting like a snake, is about to break loose from the bear-like embrace of the two holding him when Mungo, at a sharp command from Atea, places the keen point of a broadsword firmly against the ape man's chest. It is not my wish to harm you, Tarzan of the Apes. Yet if you resist further, I shall order Mungo to thrust home his sword. And your friend <laughs> will as surely be given into the embrace of Ponto. Yes, my friend, be not rash. Though it be distasteful to us all, we must accept the inevitable. Wise counsel indeed, Wong Tai. If your friends follow it, no harm will come to them. Tarzan of the Apes, you and your friends are about to witness that which no other white man has ever seen. Watch close. Quickly, Atea moves to the side of the golden idol, picking up a padded stick that lies on the black stone throne whereon the lion-headed god rests. She strikes three blows upon a deep-toned gong. A door in the wall of the chamber behind the idol opens. Twelve huge, naked, yellow-skinned fire priests enter, each bearing in his outstretched hands a blue flaming torch. Chanting softly, the priests circle the huge idol three times. At the completion of the last circle, Atea grasps an iron lever in the base of the throne and pulls it toward her. Beneath the grills, the center block and the square section of stones slides back with a dull, grinding sound. A tremendous draft of air sweeps up through the hole in the floor made by the sliding stone. A deep roaring sound is heard far below in the depths of the earth. As it conjured up by magic, a monstrous column of blue flame rises through the hole to hungrily envelop the iron grill and the chained figure reclining upon it. With a quick forward thrust of the lever, Atea closes the stone trap. The roaring column of flame vanishes. The twelve priests, still chanting, file out of the chamber. Silence. Look, Tarzan of the Apes, and you, Jeanette Burton. Thus are they punished who disregard the laws of Thor and the will of Atea. Talk. Oh, the fellows vanished on near the breast. It seems. Nothing left but a few ashes. A wee bit of a dust cloud. Death to death. Thus are those dealt with who disregard my wish and will. It is the will of Atea, Tarzan of the Apes, that you remain in Thor as king of the yellow men and the mate of Atea. Speak. What is your answer? You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media.
Captured by giant yellow men, Tarzan and his friends are taken to the distant jungle city of Tor, where they are brought before the exotically beautiful queen, Artea. The audience is interrupted by the arrival of Tongo, chief of Artea's outer guard, of claw men, several of whom have been killed by the white party. Artea informs Tarzan that the laws of Tor permit a chief to claim the right of avenging the death of his men on the person who has slain them. She adds that Tongo has come to claim that right on Tarzan. The ape-man accepts the challenge and in single combat kills the giant Tongo. Deeply impressed by Tarzan's magnificent strength and utter fearlessness, Artea gives him and his friends the freedom of the city. Before quartering them in the palace, she conducts them to the Hall of Pantu, the Chamber of Sacrifice, where she forces them against their will to witness the sacrifice of a Rhetorian prisoner to the fires of Tor. At the conclusion of the ceremony, Artea gives Tarzan her ultimatum. He shall remain in Tor as her mate. The alternative, death to them all by sacrifice. Kate, and will you listen to the prison, hussy? She's actually making Tarzan an offer of marriage, if you can call it that. You have heard the will of Atea, Tarzan of the Apes. Upon your answer rests the future safety of Jeanette Burton and those others. Oh, speak. What a terrible woman. Oh, why did we have to come to this awful place? Je ne vous pas, mademoiselle. I have seen Tarzan handle a similar situation very ably. Well, Tarzan, your answer? I can't answer now, Atea. Tomorrow, perhaps. Then you shall rest and come to me later with your answer. Mungo will conduct you to your quarters. Well, Mungo, look to Tarzan, Wongo, Analuk. Oh, look, Atea. Come, Tarzan, white people. Go long, Mungo. Out of the great circular hall of Pantu, through numerous well-lighted corridors, the giant Mungo and his guard of yellow men conduct the whites to their abode, a suite of two rooms in a distant part of the palace. One large room accommodates the men, a smaller one, Jeanette. There are stone couches, a low, massive table of wood, many leopard and lion skins. Into a small basin set on the floor of the larger room, fresh, cold water flows. There are several long, narrow windows screened with heavy metal grills. On the threshold, Mungo and his guard halt. The yellow giant motions his charges to enter. White people, stay here. Very soon, bring food. Aruk, Tarzan. Well, you've found your city of Tor, haven't you? Yes, by Jordan, with a vengeance. And now that you found it, Major, what the devil are you going to do with it? Get out. Escape at the first opportunity. Which, my friend, will not be so simple. Atea would not be so ingenuous if it was unguarded. If you open that door, you will find that we are well supplied with yellow soldiers. Well, just for the satisfaction of knowing, I'm going to see. Oh, Oluk. You're right, Wang. There are six of the heathen devils. <laughs> it is quite evident that Atea does not trust her guest. A charming young lady. Charming? Why, she's an out-and-out -out fiend. A savage who hates every one of us. Oh, oh, hate, and there's one of us you don't hate. Uh, apropos of that, mon ami, what are you going to do about Atea's ultimatum? Well, he'll not agree to her offer, Lieutenant. None of us would permit it, not even to save our lives. Bien dit, mademoiselle. We are agreed upon that. Hmm. At least she doesn't intend to starve us. If I'm not mistaken, these fellows are bringing food. Sure, and I don't mind admitting that I'm hungry. Wait a minute, you two. Why are those guards... Bien, 
You might just as well have addressed the stone wall. You would have received the same answer. They did not understand you, mon ami, or were ordered to keep their mouths shut. I guess you're right, Darno. They didn't even seem to hear me. Deaf mute, maybe. Oh, be got it. Oh, this smells good, whatever it is. What do you say to eating first and talking afterwards? Yes, we'll eat. Oh, how can you men eat when tomorrow we oh, may... Oh, we may die, of course, love. Oh, didn't I hear Wong tell you a while back that a fellow dies like a gentleman on a full stomach? Sit down here, Jeanette, and eat some of this porridge. You'll feel better. And, my dear, we are far from being dead. We'll find a way out somehow, Jeanette. I have a feeling that even if you did agree to her offer, Tarzan, the rest of us wouldn't get far before her yellow guards would murder us. That golden idol back there in the chamber of sacrifice. And those very beautiful gems around its neck. Where do you suppose they came from, Tarzan? Dr. Wong, you certainly are contemplating... I contemplate nothing, Jeanette. However, it might prove profitable to cultivate... Uh, uh, but never mind. Let us see what tomorrow brings us, eh? Well, I suppose these stone benches are the only beds we can expect. Which one's mine? I believe the other room was meant for you, Janet. Oh, no, thanks. We're all in this place together, Uncle Jim. I don't intend being alone at any time, if I can help it. There are plenty of benches in here. I'll take this one in the corner. Good night. Good night. Good night, Janet. It's in my mind, gentlemen, that there's no love in that she-devil's heart for Jeanette. She still believes Jeanette and Tarzana sweethearts. Right, Terry. Her skin may be white, but her heart's black. She wants you, Tarzan, frankly, and she intends having her way. She may let us go if you stay, but I very much doubt it. Vraiment, Major Ashley, I agree with you. Her demonstration in the sacrificial chamber upon that, what did she call him, Ratratorian, was merely a threat to impress us with her power. Rato. Rato. By Jove. Didn't she say that she'd been sent to spy on her and her people? She did that. From which one might infer the nearby presence of another tribe of yellow people. Inimical to these, uh, Thorins, right? And if so, oh my George, what good would that do us? They would likely sacrifice us to some heathen god or feed us to their own pet crocodiles, as they would these Thorians. If they had us, the lieutenant's right, Major. We'd probably only be stepping from one bad fix into another. Let's get out of this hole first. Tarzan will have to string along with a tear and keep his eyes open for a chance to escape while he's doing it. Ataya, the woman has the left ear of typing and the right of a mandarin. But on which side her hearing is the better, it might be hazardous to guess. However, for her own sake, Janet must be kept in sight of one of us all the time. Voila! Voila! Our friend Mungo returned. All right. All done. You come long, Mungo, now. Atea wants to talk to you and Wong, man from China. Atea wants to talk to Wong and me. Now, tonight, Atea wants to talk to you, too. Come. Bigari, I don't like it at all, at all. She's trying to break up our throat. Get us separated. Tell her to go to the devil, Tarzan. On the contrary, Tarzan, let us follow Mungo. The fact that Atea has not sent for you alone augurs well for us. Too small, too small, mon ami. Be careful. I sense a trap of some kind. Why should Atea send for Monsieur the Doctor Wong instead of one of us others? I'll find out soon enough. I'm not afraid of Atea's traps. Keep your eyes open here while we're gone. Come on, Doctor. All right, Mungo. We're ready. Yes, Lieutenant. That woman don't mean them to any good. What does she mean sending for them at this time of night when all decent people ought to be in bed? I should like to know myself, Old Wolf. 
However, so long as Tarzan and the doctor are together with her, I do not think either of them are in any danger. Unless she's a lot smarter than we think she is. I wonder why she sent particularly for Wong instead of one of us others. Tarzan, well, that's self-evident. She's frankly infatuated with him, but uh, <laughs> she certainly can't have designs on Wong, too. Uh, by the way, Major, Monsieur Dr. Wong is a good friend of yours. Uh, you have known him a long time? Only since Nairobi. Some three months, eh, Terry? Just about that, Major. When I began the organization of my safari for this expedition in Nairobi, Wong came to me with an attractive partnership offer. His credentials were excellent, from the old Imperial Museum, Peiping. I accepted his offer, and, well, that's that. Hey, we, uh, Monsieur Rook? Terry, oh, he came down on the same boat with us from Port Said. I discussed my plans freely with him. Through his advice and suggestions, I saw that he knew his jungle. I, or rather Jeanette, prevailed upon him to accompany us. <laughs> She's the attraction, Darno, as far as Terry... Ah, leave me, Major. You know well why I joined ye. It for the fun of it alone. What are you driving at, Lieutenant Arnold? William Dumunay, not then at all. I, I was merely curious to know why. I long... don't like your questions, Arnold, nor the tone of voice you're using in them. Come clean. What's your craw, <laughs> eh? What's in your craw? Mais, <laughs> monsieur, ne fâchez-vous pas. So far as you are concerned, there is nothing in my uh, craw. I am thinking about monsieur the doctor Wong Tai. The golden image of Pantu and the diamonds around its neck seemed to fascinate him. Meanwhile, Tarzan, Wong Tai, surrounded by a dozen or more gigantic yellow guards, had traversed several corridors, descended a long flight of worn stone steps, to enter at last a dimly lit narrow passageway. At the entrance to this tunnel, Mungo halts his men. With a sign, he motions Tarzan and Wong to follow him. What do you make of this, Tarzan? We are certainly not going to Atea's audience chamber or the hall of Pantu. No. We must be far below either of those rooms. In the central rock tower somewhere. Mungo, where are we going? We go Atea. Door, end of tunnel. She waits. If she demands your answer to her ultimatum tonight, Tarzan, what are you going to say, eh? I don't know yet. I'll give her an answer. Quiet now. We're at the door. White people go in. Atea waits. Come on, Wong. I think God's cousin, eh? Hey, man. Get back, Wong. Open the door. Oh, I, I come up. It is passing from the outside. Look out. He is coming. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!